Hello to you out there and welcome to episode two of Sports in the Waiting Room. I am your host, Chris Russo. I'll be the only one here. Um, well, first off, it's Wednesday as I record this. So, I mean, we don't know how long it's going to take anyway, but uh, I figured I'd just address this briefly. Obviously, it's the day after uh, the election, very contentious election, and I'm not one to preach politically. Um, I'm not I'm not taking a side here. I just want just want to say it's good to know that many people voted because I saw that maybe I saw something this morning that hopefully 150 million people voted, and that would be the largest voter turnout in history, apparently in the United States by about 10 million, breaking the record of the last election. Still not a lot considering. There are about, there are only about, uh, there are still about 240 million people who can vote legally, but it's good to know that many people voted and we hopefully break that record for turnout regardless of party. Plus that we can actually organize something as a country, you know, maybe, maybe there is, uh, maybe there is some hope for anyone who thinks there isn't. Uh, And of course, look, there's probably going to be some protesting at some point whenever there is a winner declared, maybe even before that. So but of course we all have the right to protest. And if you do protest, just please be respectful of each other. Just please be peaceful. Nobody wants to see, no, I promise you, nobody on either side of the aisle wants to see anything like there was in 1968. Nobody wants, uh, it's unfortunate that some of those, that many of those things have been echoed, but um, if we can just find some common ground, that's, that's the least I can ask for. That's, that's my little, little piece of information. I'm not going to try to preach to anybody. Just, just, try to be kind to one another if possible. Um, so on a lesser note, but uh, so this is also what happened in the last week on a lesser note, uh, compared to an election, of course, but still important to at least me personally. Um, I was fortunate enough that I believe it was Friday night. I got the news that I won the uh, best sports radio play-by-play award. Uh, for College Broadcasters Incorporated. Uh, so I just want to, for, I'm stunned that I won a little bit because I mean, for God's sake, I went up, went up against uh, someone who called the Rose Bowl. Uh, but, uh, but first off, I just want to say thank you to, I just want to thank a lot of people here. So I want to say thank you to College Broadcasters Incorporated. I don't know if they're listening. Uh, which it's, fu- it's funny. I actually never got an email or anything. I actually heard all this stuff through friends when I was both nominated and won. But I, I'm so appreciative. Thank you to my parents, my brother, my family, my whole family for getting me into this business and uh, helping me move it for, move forward. Uh, thank you to some of the people at WSOU, to uh, some of the people, the non-students who run the station, Mr. Maven, Jen Kaiser, Frank Scafidi. Don't know if they're listening, but we'll figure it out. It says apparently all my view listeners in the last week were between the ages of 18 and 22. So if you can tell them somehow, people at WSOU, uh, thank you. Uh, so uh, let me just point out, it's not really I won, we won, because this was, th- that's why there isn't a name on there. That's the, a team effort. That's why only the name of the school is on there. Too many people took part. There were probably seven or eight people working on that broadcast when you include Myself, the color commentator, Dalton Allison, I'm incredibly appreciative of him because he is also a great friend. He was a great roommate and a great sports manager. 
to Michael Daly, who was the beat writer that night and who is now the station manager. I'm incredibly grateful to him. Um, and I believe he probably, probably Mr. Maven, he and perhaps Wilner Lewis, who was the station manager last year. And I honestly can't remember everyone who was on that game. I want to say Wilner was in the studio. This, by the way, was an incredible game. It was Seton Hall against Michigan State in men's basketball last November. It's hard to believe it was almost a year ago, which, of course, feels like a lifetime ago now. Uh, but Wilner Lewis, who is was the station manager last year, is now the sports manager and is doing a great job. They're both doing a great job um, considering – you know, the lack of, they, they've been able to produce somehow, they've been able to produce somehow more sports talk coverage than they had last year, despite the fact we're going through a pandemic, we have less sports and no fall sports. So kudos to them. Jose Feliciano, who's another fantastic friend and uh, was one of the many people who was kind enough to call me uh, immediately after it happened. And Another great sports assistant, excellent broadcaster. He's working at 1010 Wins now. So if you if you listen to him, find him some. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing, but he's been on the air at some point, at least. Uh, and everything, everyone with whom I worked at WSU in any department, be it sports, news, um, even if I didn't work with you in a department, sports, news, music, any anyone who worked at WSU during my time there. Uh, and I'm sorry I can't mention all your names, but I think part of it is trying to be a little discreet and not give everybody's information. But I, but there are some people, I, I think they'd appreciate me mentoring them here. So I do want to thank the older staffers who helped mentor me, I guess. So Matt Ambrose, Kevin Hubler, John Piersos, Mike Lavero, Chris Famularo, Dagan Hughes, Angela Maltese, Andrea Kepler, Aaron Kelly. Those are the few that I wrote down. There are so many. There are so many people that I can mention, but those are the initial ones that I can of which I can think. And once again, it was a team effort. This wasn't just my award. This was I, I hear that from people, but this was not just my award. This was a team award. I this was for Seton Hall and for WSOU. This was for everybody, uh, every anyone who took part in the call, so or, or contributed to it. I also do want to thank and congratulate. I don't, uh, and of course, because there are no names, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I didn't listen to the calls, but my fellow nominees. So it was at Northwest Missouri State University, the University of South Dakota, and the University of Wisconsin. I know that was a call for the Rose Bowl, which is really cool. So just a few things that I just kind of want to go over the game itself a little bit. Because, and just that whole experience. Because first off, I think it's, you know, we don't root for anybody, but... I, I think it's somewhat funny and almost poetic to think that we won that award despite Seton Hall losing that game. I, I don't know. I think that's almost comical. Um, it was, this was maybe the game of the, this was, pro I think the, my favorite game I've ever broadcast despite, of course, you know, I mean, I don't root for anybody, but you know, despite the fact that there's a let, there's a letdown for the people listening most for the most part, because Seton Hall lost. Seton Hall lost to Michigan State. I think the final score, if I can remember this correctly, was 72 to 69 off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it was a three-point game. It was most no and there were so many storylines to this game. It, it was not just our call. It was it was made from such great sports theater. It was an epic showdown between Miles, especially between Miles Powell and Cassius Winston. There were so many storylines, and, and of course, I, I you know. 
you can't just trivialize this as a, as a storyline, but Cassius Winston most notably had lost his, uh, had lost his brother. His brother had passed probably within, if not within a week, then a week and a half before this had happened. I, maybe within a week actually, because I want to say it was, hmm, I'm pretty sure it was Sunday night. He actually had played, this was a Thursday, this game. So it was this previous Sunday they had played at what I think was their opener against SUNY Binghamton in East Lansing. And then there was this game and, and Cassius Winston had lost his brother before this. I'm not going to comment on the circumstances, but um, you know, obviously Cassius Winston around my age. So to, to lose a brother at, at that age is incredibly difficult. I can only imagine, but he of course was the, if not the best player, then a top two player in that game, along with Miles Powell, probably. And Cassius Winston is a guy that's rumored to be going, I don't know if it, in the first round, but may, maybe in the second round of the NBA draft, he's going to be a great player. I remember for watching that game because Quincy McKnight, who was one of the premier defenders in college basketball, and I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens with him professionally. That guy was a fifth year transfer at Seton Hall and shut down Pardon me, that was just me uh, messing with the little mic stand over here, if you if you heard something off to the side. So Quincy McKnight, one of the premier defenders and point guards, not only for in college basketball, but really in the history of Seton Hall. He was such a, a key player on that team and a great defender. Cassius Winston was Cassius Winston was completely shut down in the first half. He went off in the second, but he finished with I think it was under 25. I don't remember any, everything. I'm just trying to do this off the top of my head. I'm trying to remember as much as I can. And Miles Powell, Miles Powell, who was rumored not to play at all. This was the first game at the Prudential Center that year, might I, might I add. The first Seton Hall game of that season at the Prudential Center. And Miles Powell was a game-time decision with, a, 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 with an ankle injury after a game at Walsh Gymnasium and he went and not only did he play not only did he start he went off for 37 points and maybe had at least under the circumstances considering the circumstances the greatest game he ever had as a Seton Hall player in maybe probably the greatest game he's had to date so far we'll see what he does in the in the NBA and i remember there was one call that uh, it would have been would have been Dalton Allison, I think, that would have taken this out and put it on the WSU sports page at the time as Dalton was the sports director last year. It was a call that was just singled out because they would do this last year and hopefully they do it this year. If, I mean, hopefully we got people in the building. Um, and uh, there was a, I had a really, I was ecstatic over a, a three point call. Miles Powell, got a three-pointer and the foul, and that was down the stretch, and that was huge. I That was just, frankly, it might have been the most thrilling game I've even attended live, because I've been to a lot of games that I haven't called, obviously, but I that's, that's high on the list. And the fact that I was able to bring that to people was uh, wonderful. This, frankly, could have been an NCAA tournament matchup. I, and I'm not just saying that, uh, 
I'm not just saying that it was a good enough game that it would have been an NCAA tournament matchup. I'm seeing I'm saying these were two teams that were so good that had we had an NCAA tournament uh, last year, this could have been this could have been maybe maybe even a Final Four matchup, a national championship matchup. This is unbelievable, and I think when I realized I was so fortunate, I think I realized I was so fortunate to have called this game and to really realize. I had made it to a great point in my college career when, and granted, I would, I would see this later and and it's, it's something incredible when you see Kevin Willard, who is, is a fine coach and frankly, an underrated coach on the national circuit. And you see him a few feet away from you in the press room after you call a game. But when you see, I would see this later with Jay Wright, who's also a great coach, but there is—I don't think there's any comparison between those gentlemen and Tom Izzo. When Tom Izzo came in the press room, and I believe he spoke—yeah, he spoke before Kevin Willard. I'm pretty sure came into the press room at the Prudential Center after the game and commended. Well, he commended. See, one thing that was incredible because. You know, I went to Seton Hall, and Seton Hall has been. Seton Hall is one of the one of the best programs in in a great within a great conference in the Big East, and you know it, it's a school that's won a championship before NIT, but it's when the NIT was the the one, and but it was not so recognized as I mean it's it's not you know it's not UCLA. It's not as recognized as UCLA or Kentucky or Kansas or a Michigan State. And when you have one of the all-time greats in Tom Izzo come in and not only and just commend Kevin Willard, commend Miles Powell, commend the program, it brings such a sense of pride and authenticity to not only the, the program, but to the school also to some extent. And I think it brought some pride and authenticity to uh, to myself and to us at WSOU. We, we had such great opportunities at that station and that school. And hopefully they get even better at least once, uh, yeah, at least once the pandemic subsides, hopefully, I mean, the effects are going to last for a long time, but this is, the point is, this was something historic and excellent for the program, excellent for, on a selfish note, and excellent for me. And that's something I, that that is a moment I will cherish. I will cherish that game. Even if I am fortunate enough to, uh, believe me, I'm usually a modest person, but even if I am somehow fortunate enough to become a, a broadcaster at, at a high level. If I were to be, to be somehow ranked at the level of a, a Joe Buck, hypothetically here, or Joe Buck, or nobody's going to reach Vince Scully, but, but to someone like that, I will still cherish that game and cherish this experience for the rest of my life. So I am just so grateful to people. I've already wasted. I try to go under 30 minutes because you only record for up to 30 minutes in the web browser. I don't want to, you know, I don't, first off, I don't want to hassle you listening and make you listen to too much. 
and take too much out of your day. But I also don't want to, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I want to make this a little easier to do. So how about, so I've taken up 16 of the potential 30 minutes with that. So apologies there. So now I just want to get into some of the sports headlines of the week. I'm going to talk a little bit about, there's one headline that fi- that I find truly fascinating. And you know, I'd like to talk about the all the MLB awards, the finalists and the MVP and everything. You know what? One thing I will bring up quickly, I'm surprised I'm really shocked that Marcelo Zuna was not a finalist for NL MVP. Maybe on the other end, um, Luke Voigt not being an AL finalist, but the the one the one thing about that is it's not like maybe Marison Mantle where you could at least see you know, it's kind of tough to have two finalists on one team because they're so important. So you have LeMay Hugh for the Yankees. And if you were going to pick one of the two from Atlanta, it would probably be Freddie. I guess it would be Freddie Freeman. So, uh, but the one, so I'm going to get into, I'm going to talk about the NFL trade deadline with the time I have, but there's one interesting MLB story that I wish to discuss. And that is something that really flew under the radar. The White Sox hiring Tony La Russa. Now, if you don't remember and you're, if you're my age and you remember more so Tony La Russa as the manager of the Cardinals, and that's probably where he will be most recognized, followed shortly by his time with the Oakland A's, managed them to a championship in 1989 and three consecutive pennants. Hall of, he's already in the Hall of Fame. He is a manager who was already in the Hall of Fame but before that, he managed the White Sox for, I believe, I believe I read this, I believe it was about eight years. And Jerry Reinsdorf apparently wanted to keep him. That was apparently, I didn't, I did not realize, I, I did not even realize he was the GM. Hawk Harrelson, who uh, you may know, great broadcaster for the White Sox, kind of a famous homer, but a, a great broadcaster who was just inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame was the GM for the White Sox at the time. He was once a player, of course, and fired LaRussa and apparently was against Reinsdorf's wishes. This seems like a Jerry Reinsdorf hire because it seems like a lot of players and other, I don't think, nobody I've heard in particular, but there are murkings that anonymous players have said that this is this is bad because LaRussa, you know, you're not, I'm not ageist here, but He's 75 years old. He's already been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he has not managed since the Cardinals won the World Series in 2011. It's been nine years since he managed. He's been working in the front office, and I wouldn't say those are entirely honorary positions, but he has been working in the front office, I believe, in Arizona. He might have actually been working in Boston for a little while, and at one point St. Louis he might I think I think he was actually in the White Sox organization immediately before this but what I take from this first off I'm stunned because it's funny to think now Rick Renteria with whom the White Sox mutually agreed to part ways at the end of the year just got the White Sox to the playoffs for the first time in his in his career with the White Sox. Now, granted, 
it's a little different. It was a little different this year because it's a 16 team. It was a 16 team postseason as a contingency plan because it was 60 games due to the pandemic. But he got them to the playoffs nonetheless. And I mean, he gave the the, the Oakland A's a great run for their money. The team won 35 games this year. They finished second in the American League Central. Well, the American League Central was not that great this was not that great this year. But they got to the playoffs for the first time in 12 years, and they they came close to beating that Oakland A's team. The thing is, Renteria could end up like Joe Girardi did for the one year he managed the Marlins where he wins manager of the year despite getting fired. Joe Girardi won 79 games in 2006 as manager of the Florida Marlins. Uh, In his first job as manager, and one manager of the year, they fired him anyway. Then, of course, he went on to great success with the Yankees, and we'll see what he does with the Phillies. So, uh, imagine if La Russa fails... And Renteria wins manager of the year. There are going to be a lot of heckles from White Sox fans. And, well, frankly, probably from Cleveland fans and Twins fans and Tigers fans and Royals fans as well. Although a couple of franchises don't really have anything to chirp at right now. Uh, so that was that's just a really interesting hire. I think La Russa might still have something in him. This could just be kind of a holdover hire until they really find somebody they like that can manage long-term. But I think another reason that this happened, uh, potentially another reason that this happened, that the White Sox made this decision, is because they looked at the success of Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, I mean, that guy should win manager of the year in the American League because he is, Dusty Baker is 71 years old. Came back and managed for the first time since... It had been a couple of years since he had left Washington. Yeah, it had been three years since he had left Washington, or since he'd been fired by Washington. Uh, this is a guy who has never won a championship as a manager, but managed the Giants for, wow, 10 years. Had great success there. Got them to the World Series in his final season. Although, frankly, he was scrutinized for pulling, I believe it was Russ Ortiz in game six too soon. They blew a 5-0 lead in Anaheim in game six. Lost that night, lost the next night. There it is. And then, of course, he was the manager of the 03, the 03 Cubs team that lost with you know the Steve Bartman thing. That wasn't Bartman's fault, obviously. You can blame it a little more. Probably Alex Gonzalez and maybe Mark Pryor. But... Uh, took the Cubs within a win of going, and the Cubs could have won the next night. Took the Cubs within a win of going to the World Series. Led the Reds to, I believe, two playoff appearances, two or three playoff appearances in six years. Took the Nationals to the playoffs, and this may be the most impressive job he's ever done as a manager. Was take the take the Astros with all the scrutiny they faced at seventy-one years old. Take that brunt of criticism from all of these people come in as a baseball lifer. The MLB probably just threw him in there and asked, could you do this favor for us? And he did. And now Baker came very close to bringing the Astros to the World Series and coming back from three games to none down to win. So I think 
Jerry Reinsdorf saw that and said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring in Tony LaRusso. I'm going to give him a chance. And White Sox fans, you got to give him a chance. We'll see what happens. It should be really interesting. Speaking of White Sox, maybe, maybe my friend Joe Binder, maybe give him a chance. Give him a chance, man. We'll see. Uh, so in the last, we have been about five or six minutes. Okay. I'm going to get into the NFL trade deadline. First off, big story. Green Bay Packers really screwed up by not helping Aaron Rodgers and going out and trading for Will Fuller because there were a lot of rumors about going and getting Will Fulmer, Will Fuller, Will Fuller, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, look, Green Bay still looks good for the most part. Well, or at least they did until losing to the Vikings the other day. That was a game that surprised a lot of people. And the fact that they lost that game to a Vikings team that has been, that has underperformed very much this year has only won two games, including that one. If that doesn't concern the Packers enough to go out and trade for a wide receiver, I don't know what will. They really are gearing up for for Jordan Love to be the guy soon, and I'd I'd be fur- I'd be even more furious than I was before if I were Aaron Rodgers after losing that game. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what Green Bay is going to do. Green Bay is still probably. I think the. I don't think the Bears are that good. I think the. I don't know. I think Green Bay is still the team to beat in that division because the Bears are Bears for a time were probably the worst undefeated team I'd ever seen. They're now five and three. The Packers have a half game lead. Half game lead. Um, I mean, the Bears still have a solid defense, but that they wouldn't. They don't. uh, They shouldn't really scare anybody. Rodgers is still the guy, but. The, the, I don't think the problem is, can you beat the Bears? The problem is going to be, getting, can you get past pretty much Seattle, pretty much, maybe Tampa Bay. You never know, New Orleans might make a run. But that that's probably the, the aspect of which Green Bay and Rodgers should be most scared. Actually, Rodgers shouldn't be scared. Rodgers should be doing everything he can, knowing that it's not on him. Um, another, well... Another thing I noticed this year, not that many last-minute trades. Maybe it's just an NFL trend, and you tend to see it a lot more with... Uh, I think the trade deadline is probably biggest for baseball than maybe, than maybe hockey. I I was a little surprised, though. There, were not, uh, there weren't any real last-minute trades. All these trades were made kind of slowly and spaced out over maybe the week before. There weren't that many... Big trades. I mean, the Ngakwe trade was fairly big, but that wasn't that close to the deadline. I don't know. There weren't that many big ones. The, the, the funny thing about out of all of this is biggest winner of the trade deadline, depends on what happens, it wasn't even a trade, probably be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers may be the biggest winners if Antonio Brown can keep his head on straight for once in, I don't know, since for the first time since before he did that Facebook video in the locker room when he was with the Steelers, I don't know. This guy is, he's been a character uh, to say the least. The, I mean, the thing with Mike Mayock and then the assault allegations, the, I believe there was a rape allegation that against Antonio Brown, Uh, not to say any of them are true or false. It seems like, um, 
charges or any anything that happened is still pending, but he got suspended and I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't know. Belichick apparently couldn't, well, maybe Belichick could have kept him in line if had the NFL not been ready to suspend him. We'll see what happens in Tampa. I like Bruce Arians and I think Tom Brady's smart enough that he can probably, you know, try to mentor Brown and keep him in check. But I don't know. I, however, if he is, if he is, if he is in line with the team, con- the team concept, keeps his head on straight. Tampa Bay is going to be scary. Granted, they almost blew that game with the Giants the other night. That I, I was a little, I was pretty surprised that was not pass interference on that last on the two point conversion. So we'll see how much of a threat they really are. But if you put Brown in that lineup and then Chris Godwin's got to come back, but that team should be dangerous. Defense is decent enough at least. So, well, uh, we, we get into the final minute here. So I, I just want to thank you for listening. Hope hope everybody had a happy Halloween from a distance. I was fortunate enough. I was pretty excited actually, just because you know you get to see people that I actually handed out candy with one of the, my my mom bought a grabber, and so we and, and we just so I had a mask on, kind of handed out the candy to the kids that way from a distance. But it's just nice to nice to see people. Nice to see people were doing something. We had about a dozen trick or treaters. Uh, just a little off track here, but you know, just want to set. Take it out here on a lighter note. We started on, you know, election, a little bit of a sour note, but um, that's going to do it for us. Stay safe, everybody, and uh, thank you.